Welcome, and let's first talk compliance. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. This show is brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high-quality, complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. Please show your support by taking a moment to provide a review on Google, Facebook, or iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. On today's episode, we are speaking with Rebecca Rakowski, Managing Partner at Xpan Law Partners, and Saj Nassim, Chief Information Security Officer, CISO, from New Jersey Courts, on the topic of Stop the Insanity, why healthcare organizations need to take a new approach to cybersecurity and data privacy training. Employees are one of an organization's greatest strengths and weaknesses. For years, cybersecurity advocates have argued that trained employees are the only way to safeguard the organization. However, these same organizations engage in training for their employees only to see the next data breach caused by one of these same trained employees. The question then becomes, why do we repeat the same exercise expecting a different outcome? In addition, Many employees continue remotely, and this has created an additional operational hurdle for IT and IT security professionals. Simply put, the basic people problem needs to be redefined and updated using science. On this episode, we will discuss how training using traditional methods has caused greater liability and threats to an organization. Finally, we will review how measuring an employee's knowledge, attitude, and behavior towards cybersecurity can help to create a tailored solution for cyber awareness training and provide a workforce the weapons they need to effectively stave off cyber threats. Before we begin, I would like to mention at First Healthcare Compliance, we strive to serve as a trusted resource for compliance professionals and every month we celebrate their hard work and dedication with our Compliance Super Ninja recognition. For this episode, we're spotlighting Super Ninja Becky Doolin, Office Manager at Advanced Bain and Laser Center, who says that she enjoys most about working with Advanced Bain and Laser Center is that we have a great staff and I enjoy working as a team to give our patients the best care possible. Congratulations, Becky. Our team is honored to have the privilege of working with you. So hello, Rebecca and Saj. Thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having us. Yes, thanks, Catherine. Nearly every regulation or standard requires training. So why is this so important? First of all, I mean, training is one of the, it is required. So that's the initial thing, right? I mean, most data privacy or cybersecurity regulations require training, HIPAA being one of them. Uh, you have to have yearly training under HIPAA. But beyond that, it's also important because your employees are basically your first line of defense. You know, I like to say all the time that you are you are literally arming your your army of of your employees. They're the ones who are receiving the phishing emails. They're the ones who are the hackers are trying to trick in order to uh, you know get into systems. And so it's critically important that regardless of the fact that you have you have this regulatory aspect of it, which is I'm not saying it's not important, but they are literally these are the people you need to be as informed as possible in order to stave off these attacks. And so 
beyond just the, the check the box, which I don't subscribe to, um, if you're going to have to train anyway with regulation, then why not do it in a way that arms these people in, and, and informs them and puts them in the best position to be successful personally in their own career and also to defend the organization from, from cyber attacks. Okay, so how do companies currently do training? So currently what happens, uh, you know, as my experience in, you know, as a CISO and working with different CISOs and over the years in different organizations, typically the way that the training is done is a yearly compliance requirement where somebody will buy a package from, you know, one of the leading vendors and put it into their learning management tool, uh, whatever that may be. And employees are asked to complete their required learning within a month or so. And at the end, they get a certificate and that's it. And, ge and generally it's pretty uh, generic. Um, um, it's phishing, it's you know social engineering and topics along those lines. That's generally what happens. And time to time, some organizations, what they do is they'll send out monthly newsletters in regards to their cybersecurity awareness. And that's about it. Yeah, and I mean, what I see a lot too, uh, particularly with organizations that I represent is that it is it is like a, a video um, they you know that they, they only have to do this this video or um, and that's one of the things that I always one of the first things I'm always changing I'm like no 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 we're not just doing a video having interactive regulations or interactive training is really important do you think that the training that companies are currently doing is effective and why or why not so the, in terms of effectiveness, the best way that I can answer that is if you say, like, if you had, if your car was not working properly, um, you can say that maybe the miles per hour, you know, on once you're driving long distance is not, you know, it doesn't go above 60 miles per hour. And so you can, at least that's a metric that you can use, right? And you can combine that with other metrics in order to see if your car is working effectively or as you expect. Um, so again, so the, and this gets into, you know, how we look at effectiveness. Is it effective? I mean, you can look at it broadly, micro, a macro level. You can say, have the cyber attacks decreased in any way? Do we still see employee errors in regards to cyber attacks? And the answer is yes, we clearly do. Some of the major ones in the last couple of years uh, were, um, is that uh, there was a situation when Marriott bought Starwoods Hotel and one of the analysts missed a cyber attack from the, uh, I believe from the Chinese in that example, and just said it was a false positive. And so that's a human component right there. In addition to that, the Shark Tank star, Barbara Corcoran, one of her, um, one of her employees thought she was getting an email from their CFO and sent uh, $400,000 over to basically a scammer. So these are examples. Additionally, there was an example uh, for Capital One where uh, what had happened was when people were, they had contracted a third party, and I'm sure Rebecca will get into third parties, and the third party was bragging about how much information they had posted all over the internet about their customers. So in terms of effectiveness, uh, we could see that there's examples that it uh, may, may not be effective, at least indicators of that. Additionally, my question would be, how are we measuring that? And that's what we'll get into, hopefully. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize too that you know when these when these incidents happen, and I know we talk about this a lot about you know how it impacts the organization. Um, you know, just from a regulatory fine perspective, 
Marriott was assessed 18.4 million uh, pounds or euro I, I, by the, uh, the ICO in Europe related to that data breach. So I think it, it, that equates to somewhere around a $24 million fine. And and the, the breach is bringing in the regulators. It's not like the regulators in Europe were already looking at Marriott. The, the breach is what brought them in. And so you see this cascading effect of data breach or employee makes an error, data breach occurs, regulatory fine ensues. And um, it's, a pro it's problematic for an organization. Um, and so stopping it at at the, at the first level, at the employee level, uh, becomes more and more critical for, for organizations. Of course, we've been having this pandemic. It's been going on now for, for over a year. How do you think that's affected cybersecurity and data privacy training? One of the things is that it's changed the landscape of the way organizations do business. Okay, we are no longer all sitting in an office together. And so to some degree, to a large degree, really, it's changed the way we do business fundamentally. And I'm not sure we're ever going to go back fully to pre-pandemic uh, business practices. So we need to rethink the way we're doing training for our employees because it, that same old playbook is not going to work. It's like same stuff, different day. That's not what we're dealing with anymore. Things have changed and we need to change with it. And beyond that, like as we were just saying, it's just simply not effective. Why Why keep beating our head? Hence the name of our, uh, our I think our initial webinar was uh, Stop the Insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And yet we train our employees using the same methodology over and over and over again, and we're not getting a different result. And I think that the the pandemic has highlighted the vulnerabilities and the, it, within our within networks, within the network infrastructure, and but more importantly, with, with employees. Why is quantification so important? And don't our laws just require training? Concerning training, I mean, you can open up, you have regulatory requirements like PCI DSS, Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard. If you're taking in credit cards, there's usually a checkbox to say, have you trained your employees? It's exactly the training that I was speaking about in your first question, which was concerning just checking the box to say, hey, listen, um, my staff have seen 10 or so videos and they've taken a very basic exam and that's it. And so the question that I have in all of that, did that work? When you they, when they took the exam, you would have to look at, you know, sometimes they, when you did the training and they took the exam, pretty basic, you know, and, you know, oftentimes I've even seen employees uh, take the exam and they have the volume off because it's pretty easy. And it'll talk about some basic things. So the exam part of it is one thing. Additionally, the question would be that in a real life scenario, did it actually work? Did the training actually work? And you can just take a simple example. You can get your driver's license and drive, right? And we, we've seen episodes, right, of uh, Seinfeld where when you hit a certain parkway in New York, you know, it's life altering and, you know, it's not life altering, but, you know, it's very different. Taking an exam will never prepare you for that. So that's real life. So the question I have is that, is the training, did it prepare them for the different phishing emails, social engineering scams, all the business email, com you know, compromise type stuff going on in the industry? Did they prepare for that? And the answer is largely no, right? Or we need to find out, right? And that's why the quantification of knowledge, behavior, and attitude is important. But I'll quote you um, something from a Nobel Prize winner, Richard Feynman. 
um, who said that the first principle is that you must not fool yourself and you're the easiest person to fool. So in order to try to avoid that, you got to look at the quantification, the numbers, and make sure that it's connected to what you're actually trying to do, which is real life. And I, I think it's important to, to keep in mind, too, that we know that people click on bad emails. We know people download things they're not supposed to. And that tells us one part of this puzzle. It tells us that they're doing it. It, it tells us that the action has occurred. But what it doesn't tell us is why the action has occurred. And that's really what we see is missing from this, from these, the training that exists currently today. And what Saj and I are trying to, I guess, what we rail against is that we keep doing this training and thinking these people are going to stop clicking on this, e on these emails or stop downloading these bad, uh, you know, bad links. But the reality of it is they're not armed in a way that makes them really understand what's going on behind the scenes they're also not we don't understand why they're clicking on it there must be a reason there must be something about the email it must be something about what's going on in that that it goes on inside of them that makes them want to click and so until you understand the why part of it you're never going to stop it i mean let's take the example of the pandemic we knew the pan that the virus was spreading but how was it spreading why was it spreading? What were the activities that we were doing in our everyday life that was making this particular virus spread like wildfire? And until we understood that why, we were never able to slow down the spread of the virus. Well, it works exactly the same way in cybersecurity. We don't, when we don't understand the why behind something, we can't help to prevent it. It's basic science, it's basic uh, logic. And when, when we talk about knowledge, behavior, and attitude, this KAB that Saj and I have been, uh, we, we work with and, and we measure uh, for different organizations, when you understand the knowledge, behavior, and attitude of your employees, you start, you understand the why. And so you can start to figure out how to change attitude, change behavior, um, increase knowledge, or maybe direct knowledge in a different, in a, in a different path so that these people are, you're actually training them to be effective cyber warriors as opposed to just giving them the same rote training they get every year where as Sasha says they they mute it and they I, I I hate to admit it but I've done it I've I've done it myself where organizations have said like we'll take the training and see see how you do and I mute it and I see if I can pass the exam at the end and I've I've yet to not score a hundred percent. So I and I understand I'm in this industry but that's the point is you don't have you 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 don't have to watch everything and take the training in order to to pass that little test at the end so how effective is that little test really considering that humans are fallible and that they do things like what you're talking about like taking the tests without really paying attention or doing what they want and also are fooled by things like these phishing emails how do you think that training can ever be effective yeah, so I mean, so in terms of training being effective, I mean, I think we're going to go back to the measurement question, knowledge, behavior, and attitude that has to be measured. If you're dealing with, if you have children, you're dealing with children, I and mean, one of the best things you can do is allow them to make mistakes, ideally quickly, right, in life, right, make mistakes and learn from them and, and learn from them and start to make good decisions, right? That's just children, right? If you had that, you know, you're pretty good. You're doing pretty good. And so what's going to happen is this, the scams are getting sophisticated. Uh, there's AI available, people are changing voices, there's, you know, deep fakes, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So there's a certain degree of like almost street smarts, right? You have to know that the environment is changing. 
I had a situation where I was talking to one of my colleagues and their dad was who actually worked for the military, smart guy, you know, a doctor, the whole thing, and knew all these things. But just for a moment was, you know, when retired, was out of touch a little bit, let's say from the latest things that were going on. And then he got one of those Microsoft calls, right, you know, or fake Microsoft calls where they were like, oh, we need to do tech support. Your computer is not working. And then for basically for half an hour there allowed this fake person or not fake person, but this scammer to log onto their computer and, you know, install some malware and then ask for support or money back and so on and so forth. Right. Then later on realize, oh, man, this is not going to happen. Right. So really, when it, when we're talking about quantification, we're talking about, you know, the environment, you know, we're in a pandemic, there's stress, there's children, people are at home, there's a lot going on. So the best way to do this, again, is to measure. But then moving forward, once you measure, then you're going to have to see you may start seeing, and I think you will, uh, start seeing that maybe the person's job is maybe they're in the wrong position. You'll start seeing different aspects of their personality, different aspects of you know how they're performing at work in regard to that. I've seen examples where we had an employee that was always in um, public meetings, right, and was an introvert, does not want to talk publicly, and after measuring. They, they, they did pretty good or but then I noticed that in public they really had a difficult time talking about security or dealing with security and then what wound up happening is I started realizing that they needed to be spoken to privately and then they started performing better right so you're going to start realizing some things about them so again we don't have the final you know I think the destination is to learn about who we're dealing with and and then use that in in such a way to put people in the right situation from a security standpoint and also from their job standpoint yeah, because if you're if you're just if you're just doing every, it's not a one size fits all, right? Security has, people have been saying this for years, but it, so training can't be a one size fits all either. What works for some people is not going to work for another or for others. But when you so when you start to quantify, when you start to measure their knowledge, you know this when you start to use this KAB, this knowledge, behavior, and attitude, when you start to get this idea, this score, you can then start to see well this person needs this type of particulars it's not about doing things it's not about more it's about doing it better and focusing it on the needs of that individual and really personalizing it if not to an individual but sometimes to a department even as well and and you see you know as you start to build out a program based on this it becomes much more effective and efficient um it becomes first of all effective but then your your department actually becomes more efficient as well and and also uh, piggybacking on what Rebecca was saying, in the healthcare environment, you guys are used to that. Uh, currently, in the last decade or so, there's been a large focus, large focus uh, for innovators in the space of healthcare for personalized medicine, which means basically, you know, the idea of taking Sajid's or Rebecca's genetic code and seeing if medicines will be tailored or personalized for Sajid, Rebecca, and so on and so forth. Personalized medicine, that's a thing. This is no different. We realize that some medicines, they work for certain patients. I mean, we're seeing it also in this COVID period here. Uh, they work for majority of patients maybe, but don't work for some others. And, you know, we see this kind of thing. And so one size fits all is not the solution. It's, you know, it just, um, it, it maybe checks a box, but it doesn't really get us to where we want to go to. So we're talking about personalized information security training, and it's consistent with the healthcare environment. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high quality complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. My guests today are Rebecca Rakowski, Managing Partner at Expan Law Partners and Saj Nassim, Chief Information Security Officer from New Jersey Courts on the topic of Stop the Insanity, why healthcare organizations need to take a new approach to cybersecurity and data privacy training. Please share your support by taking a few minutes to provide a review of First Healthcare Compliance on Google or Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. So besides just potential issues, how can companies leverage their employees to be assets when dealing with cybersecurity issues? In order for an employee to be an asset, I mean, this is a whole complex topic, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, management uh, theories and different things have looked into this. In order for an employee to be effective at work and, and be on the front lines, they have to be engaged at work. So if your employee is bored and you're just giving them rote work or whatever it is that they're doing and it's not really what they want, they're not going to be engaged. They're not going to be engaged in your security either, potentially, right? We have to measure that, but potentially, right? That potentiality is there. And we see things, I mean, again, you can go back to learning. Everybody's a different kind of a learner. Most people are uh, visual learners, but some people are not. And some people are introverts, some people are extroverts. Again, this is all different. So it gets into all these types of issues. So in order for them to be effective, you have to put them in the right position and you have to hold them accountable. So that gets into some management things. Again, the measurement is important. Once the measurement is there, you're gonna learn more. I'll give you, I gave you the example of that one employee in the last question who did not want to speak publicly. And I'll give you another example. So I'm also a professor at the university. We had a course on healthcare information security this past semester at St. John's University. I was teaching and we had one of these students who was really bright, you know, 4.0 student. And she was, like, it just seemed like to me that she was never challenged. She's just so smart that she was never challenged. So we had a course and we flipped the script. What we did is we started to ask her questions in a real life environment when a data breach happened and kept pushing her and pushing her. And, and in a way, I was a bit concerned that maybe she was being pushed uh, too much. But at the end of the semester, she wrote the sweetest note to me saying that I've never seen something like this. You know, like she got pushed. And she she really liked it. She felt like engaged. Uh, one size does not fit all. And once you measure, you're going to have to learn about your employees. For some employees, it's going to be really easy to be compliant. And that's great. And that's fine. There's going to be some employees you're going to need to do more work with. And again, that's where the management and the uh, function will come in, where you will have to see what they're going to get into. But Brecca can get more into that. It's a great point is that but when you when you're measuring your employees, what we recommend to be clear is that you measure, you take this KAB score and based on that KAB score, you're going to train your employees to tailor that training to to them. This isn't about more. It's about better. And then after you do this more focused training, you then can you measure again. And you gives a couple of benefits to the employer. One, it shows is this employee is this employee thriving in this from a security and privacy perspective. Obviously, we're not talking generally, but if this employee is dealing with highly highly sensitive information and they are are, are say scoring low with this and in, in, in they're measuring low on the KAB chart, 
perhaps where they are is not where they need to be. Or maybe we need to make adjustments to access levels and things like that because we're not seeing improvement over time. But when you measure, test, and measure again, you're actually able to show improvement for employees. You're able to provide feedback and actual uh, you know, metrics to your C-suite. And it, it, it benefits the organization overall because you're, you're actually able to put employees in positions which are best suited to them and train them um, in a way that is suited to them. Um, what we keep doing now is we just give everybody the same training. You're, oh, you work for us? Okay, you're gonna take this two hour training course. Well, that's great, but maybe what I do doesn't necessarily involve sensitive information or maybe it involves highly sensitive information. Well, my training should be geared towards that. Um, maybe I'm really good um, in the knowledge piece of it, but my behavior and attitude score is lower. Okay, we need to, we need to, to adjust the training to address that. Because you know when you take this one size fits all approach, I don't have to tell, tell you out there, right? You buy a pair of sweatpants, it's one size fits all. That thing's not going to look half as good on you as a nice tailored pair of slacks, right? I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it applies in every area of our lives. That's why it's so important. And, and when we see this continued approach where everybody's doing it the same way over and over again, and we don't see this improvement, that's where people like Saj and I get frustrated because we're like, wait a minute, we could be doing this better. Well, as we wrap up, do you all have any other advice for us? I'll go back to kind of where we started from, which is stop doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If your organization is concerned about data breaches, if your organization has experienced a data breach, obviously the training that your employees are getting is not as effective as it could be. And you're missing the why. And when you're missing the why, you're missing half the battle. And so, you know, you really want to go back, think about that, look at, be able to measure your employees. And I would encourage your listeners to, to reach out to Saj and myself. Uh, you know, we're, we're on LinkedIn as well. We're, we're our email address and, you know, we're happy to have these, you know, uh, more in-depth conversations, but, you know, just stop, stop doing it over and over again because you're, you're, I hate to say you're doing it wrong, but you're doing it wrong. Thank you so much, Rebecca and Saj. Really, really appreciate having you here today. So thanks so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Catherine. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You too. And thank you so much to our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. We always appreciate you as well. You can learn more about the show on our programs page on healthcarenowradio.com and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at CatherineShort at FirstHCC.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.